Welcome to the weekly podcast of Upper Room Christian Fellowship in Lincoln, Nebraska. Thank you for listening. So much uncertainty this new year. Many people are kind of looking quite frightful, confused, not knowing exactly which way to turn. Well, God knows which way to turn, and again, we're going to look at five principles today of looking at this new year and how to, if you will, face the battles, find the opportunities, and to move forward in our faith as we continue to trust in Him, who is the sovereign one, who's in control of all things. So once again, we're going to look at Joshua. Now, a little update. We're going to finish this month with topicals. And then the beginning of February, there'll be one last topical, but again, we'll probably go, we should be into our regular schedule with the Sunday school at that time. And then, prayerfully, I'm still considering a couple books to go through in the New Testament this time. So, that's our, that's our, um, our schedule. And again, um, as I've already been announced, after this service, if you're involved with um, Sunday school, if you want to get involved, please stay. Again, go to the elementary side. But let's start off with this morning with the most important thing to do is ask the Lord to guide and teach us. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you for this morning. We just thank you for, again, the joy that we have that is in Christ Jesus. We thank you, Lord, for, again, the blood that cleanses us and the truth of your word that continue to transform and guide us. Bless this time, Lord, as we get into your word, and we just ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Joshua chapter 3. Now remember, we kind of touched on this last week. If you weren't here, we'll just kind of give it a quick over. The children of Israel disobeyed. They weren't walking in faith. They were walking by sight. Fear was what motivated them of not entering into the promised land. So 40 years later, everybody that was 20 years and above, they've died off. Now the only ones that remain are those that were 20 years and younger, or 19 and younger. And of course their children and grandchildren. So God then has Joshua move the people towards the Jordan. Now they're by the Jordan, and the Jordan is overflowing. Now, last week what we did was we jumped ahead to chapter 4, and basically what we were doing is to have a remembrance. What has God done for you this year? I don't mean done for you as in, you know, what have you done for me lately? No, 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 no. God is always at work. And He does things in our lives throughout the years. But specifically, we wanted to think about what is it that God did last year? Why? Because that's what God was having the children of Israel do is that as they cross the Jordan on dry land, as he parts the Jordan, he had them take stones, one from each tribe, take a stone. And what they did was they took it to Gilgal, which was eight miles away, and they stacked and made a monument. Why? Remember what God has done. As you're facing your battles, remember what God has done. And that's what we encourage each other to do. And if you weren't here, I encourage you to think what God has done to probably do with the job, provision, 
maybe an answer to prayer and something else. Remember, God is always at work. And faith is built upon what? What we see? No. In Him. It's in Him. And it's always to remember the things that God does. So we go forward in faith. That what God has done before, He can do again. And so as we're facing our tomorrows, as we're facing this new year, again, it's to remember what God has done, but it's to go forward now. Trusting that God will provide, He'll guide, He'll protect, He'll reveal, He'll answer. So, now what is it? There's five things I want you to look at. As the children of Israel now are coming to the Jordan River, there's five things that they're going to be actually implied that they do. And it's for us too. As they face their battles, we too can do this. If you're in Joshua now, chapter 3, let's start at verse 1. Then Joshua rose early in the morning and set out from the Acacia Grove and came to the Jordan, he and all the children of Israel, and lodged there before they crossed over. So it was after three days that the officers went through the camp and they commanded the people, saying, When you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God and the priests and the Levites bearing it, then you shall set out from your place and go after it. Yet there shall be a space between you and it, about 2,000 cubits by measure, or 1,000 yards. Do not come near it, but you may know the way by which you must go. For you have not passed this way before. And Joshua said to the people, Sanctify yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. Stop. Notice the very first thing they said to them. Look at verse 3. Verse 3. And they commanded the people, saying, When you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God, when you see them moving. So what do you think the thing that they were doing? They were watching. They were alert. They were commanded, God's going to move. When he moves, you move. Now, God is always at work. Jesus says, my father's at work and I'm at work. We're always working. And the, and the scriptures in the Old Testament tells that God never slumbers nor sleeps. God then is always at work in our lives. There's never a moment that God says, oh, uh, Caleb, you're on your own for a little bit here. i got to work on Kevin. You know, Kevin is always Kevin, Kevin, Kevin. But I'm sorry, guys. It's, you know, it's like the guy that always gets in trouble. It's Kevin. You know, I always mess with Kevin. But that's not the way God is. Because honestly, we all need help all the time, constantly, don't we? You're always in the forefront of God's mind and heart. David tells us, if I were to number the times that you think, they're endless. Your thoughts towards me. Sand in the seas. It's the same with you. Rest in that for a second. God's thinking about you even at this moment. Now he's thinking about you. Now he's thinking about you. Now he's thinking about you again. How can he do that? (laughs) He's God. So it's understanding that God is always moving. God is always working. Even when we think he's not, he's at work. So are you ready? Are you watching? Are you saying, Lord, I want to be able to watch you this year. And be ready. 
Because you're always at work. Every day you're working. Every moment you're working. Help me rest in your work, but help me be alert to your work. But notice the second thing. What were they do? commanded to do? Go after it. That's aggressive. So how do we simulate that in our own lives? It's a very simple thing. Jesus commands each of us, come follow me. When, Lord? Daily. Deny yourself, take up your cross daily and follow me. Be on alert, I'm moving. I'm always moving. Are you ready? Let's go. Stop thinking about what you want to do, what you need to do, what you can't do, and do as I ask. Follow me. It's always, again, something that should encourage each of us that God, or Jesus, God, Jesus, Jesus chose 12 disciples. And at least 10 of them were uneducated men. These were not men that you start an organization with. Jesus did. Why? Because he can take any knucklehead, including us, and move the world. Even Paul says that. Not many noble, not many wise, not many mighty. So, again, it's not about the abilities we have, because remember something. He knows everything about us, so he knows the gifts he's given us and the abilities. Well, see, with God, nothing is impossible So Jesus looks at each of us. Are you ready? Let's go. Stop looking at yourself. Stop worrying about yourself. Stop saying how challenges you have mentally, spiritually, physically, whatever, and follow me. Watch. I'm ready. I'm moving. Always moving. Are you ready? Then come on. Let's go. Follow me. Now, a lot of times what we do is we have these excuses, and that's what happened with Jesus. Jesus said, follow me. And he said, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. And Jesus said to him, let the dead bury their own dead. But you go and preach the kingdom of God. Now that seems kind of coarse. It's like, what do you mean? His dad's laying down there and, you know, he wants him to just smell up the house and worms crawling out of him. It's kind of gross. Shouldn't he bury his dad first before he follows him? He's not dead, gang. Again, this is wording in in basically the Hebrew language of understanding or culture, is that to bury someone was to wait till after he died. My dad's getting old. Let me wait till he died. Then I'll have opportune time. But see, it's not just because, you know, ties with his dad, but you have to understand that burying his dad means that I now get the inheritance. I'll be well. I'll be fine. Financially, I can follow you. See, it's always about us saying, well, Lord, I'll follow you, but in an opportune time. Right now, that's not, I got kids at home, Lord. No, that's not the Lord's asking you. And he's not asking you to leave your kids, so don't take this somewhere else. But he gave you the kids, and he's still telling you, follow me. Follow me with your kids. Teach your kids about me and reveal them, reveal me to them by how you follow me. So are we watching? We follow? Look at verse 4. Actually, it already said commanded. Verse 4. Yet there shall be space between you and at about 2,000 cubits, 1,000 yards, by measure, do not come near, that you may know the way by which you must go, for you have not passed this way before. They're being given instructions. 
you have in your lap the instructions. Now, the question is, did children of Israel obey? Oh, we're going to find out. Yes, they did. So see, it's not just, again, watching, following, but it's obeying. See, it's opening the Word of God and saying, God, okay, I can't do this. Do you know that? You, you can't be a Christian and you can't do the Sermon on the Mount. Sorry. You, you can't sit there and take all the laws of God and obey them. Why? Because, again, that's legalism. Okay? You with me? There's nothing you can do apart from yourself. But that's not the deal. You know what the deal is. The deal is you came to Christ. Why? Because of what he did on the cross. We are saved by grace, not by works. But now there's a work going on. Remember God never slumbers or sleep? That's true of the work that he's doing in each of us. God's at work in you. You're under construction. So he says, come, follow me. Why? Because I am working in you. Now obey me. I know what's best. And because I'm in you now, God's Spirit, you can't obey. It's interesting, listen, everything in creation, listen, everything in creation, nature, angels, demons, everything, diseases, governments, Everything obeys God. One thing that must choose is you and I. Obey. See, Jesus says, if you obey my word, then I'll manifest myself to you because you're revealing your love for me. If you love me, you will obey me. So it's watching ready for him to move. It's getting up and saying, Lord, I will follow you. But it's not just about following because you know how it is. It's just like your kids. You say, come on, let's go. And then all of a sudden you're in the store and you can't find Junior because he's underneath the coat rack and he's hiding underneath the coat rack. And you're saying, no, that's not what I said. I said, stay here by my side. Obey me. And so he follows you a little bit, but then all of a sudden he sees the candy and he's over by the candy. You go, no, I said follow me. See, that's the way we are. Obey means being right by his hip. Do what he says. Challenge, isn't it, for all of us. But remember, that's not just for pastors. It's not just for the elders. It's not just for the deacons. It's just not for the parents. It's everyone who calls Christ their Lord and Savior. Watch, follow, obey. Now, again, look at the the fourth would be. We've already touched on it. Look at verse 5. And Joshua had said to the people, Sanctify yourselves for tomorrow. The Lord will do wonders among you. Now, again, to the Jew, sanctify yourself would mean, basically, if you will, separating themselves unto God, bathing themselves, washing their clothes, abstaining from... Um, from the the marriage act. I see we have a mixed couple here, mixed company here. The marriage act, okay? That's that's sanctifying yourself, preparing yourself before the Lord. Well, what about us? Well, for us again, it's it's confession of sin. 
But it's not just confessing sin, it's repenting of sin. It's turning away from it, saying, Lord, I don't want to do that anymore, Lord. It's as Hebrews 12.1 says, Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. The thing that hinders us from following the Lord and obeying Him is usually our sin. It's to confess it. It's to repent from it. And it's to realize, Lord, if it's an area you're struggling with, then let that be again a focal point between you and God that I know i got to get rid of this. This is impossible. Maybe it's something you feel like you're in bondage to. This is impossible for me. That's okay. Nothing's impossible with God. Sanctify yourself. Confess your sin. Forsake your sin. Go after the Lord, but also be filled with His Spirit. Remember, that's part of our sanctification, the work that God is doing in you right now. He's never going to stop until you're done. You are going to be sanctified. In His eyes, you're already sanctified. Think about that for a second. You are holy people. A holy priesthood. A holy nation. You are adopted into God's family. And God has declared you righteous. But not only that, God says again, actually, if I would go back to a passage that I didn't read you, it's just this. Jesus says, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word and my Father will love him and we will come to him and make our home with him. Well, our love was demonstrated by his love being demonstrated on the cross. So now we come humbly before him accepting his his sacrifice for us. We give him, impute our sin upon him. When he rose again from the dead, he's now imputed his righteousness on us. You are righteous. You may not feel it. It's kind of like, if you will, if we could understand this, if we can get this through our hearts and minds, it's a very simple truth. I, I've come to a place that, again, a lot of times I don't, I'm not privy to watch a lot of sports live, so I'll usually watch the, the replay of it. But I'll tell you something, because I've learned something. I won't go through all the ups and downs of the emotions if I know they're going to lose. I only watch my teams when I know they won. That way, no matter how bad it looks, or gets, I go, they'll win. They're playing horrible. I don't know how they're going to pull this off. But they are going to win. See, I don't like to go through the emotions now that I'm an old guy. It's like, you know, no, I ain't going to. Why bother? I'm not going to give you my emotions so that I can just be bummed out for a moment, and which I do. I drop it pretty quick. Except when you come downstairs and you ask me a question during an intense part of the game, that I did watch live one time and see again. That's what happens. Is that you, you're so into the game. But when you know you have the victory, you're not so bad, huh? Hey, gang. When we get to heaven, you're going to replay this. And you're going to have to understand something there. Because a lot of times we don't get it here. We won. God's work is going to be complete in each of us. It will be finished. 
He has the victory. Satan is defeated. Victory over death and sin. We win. So, see, it's in that that God wants us to go, now you are sanctified. Now live your life as my children. Watch, I'm moving. I'm moving in your life. I'm moving inside you. Be watchful. Be ready. Follow me. But don't just follow at a distance. Understand, obey me. And know you are sanctified. Now walk as children in the light. Walk. Now, as for the last thing, number five. Let's drop down to verse 15. And as those who bore the ark came to the Jordan, and the feet of the priests who bore the ark dipped in the edge of the water, for the Jordan overflows all its banks during the whole time of harvest, that the waters which came down from the upstream stood still and rose in the heap very far off away at Adam, the city that is beside Zeratan. So the waters that went down into the sea of Arba, the salt sea, fell and were cut off. And the people crossed over opposite Jericho. Then the priests who bore the ark of the covenant of the Lord stood firm on dry ground in the midst of the Jordan. And all Israel crossed over on dry ground until all the people had crossed completely over the Jordan. Look up. Jesus looks at each of us. Tells us, I'm moving. You ready? And let's go. Follow me. Do as I say. Do as I say and everything will be right. No back steps. See, we backslide when we disobey. Patient with us, he stands there and waits. It's okay. Understand something. You're sanctified. You don't need to stay in the mud anymore. In fact, I'm I'm parting the obstacles in your way. Maybe not the way you think they should be. Maybe not the way you want them to be. The way they need to be. How many people of Israel went to that river and said, ah, can we do something else? I mean, there's enough people here. Those, those priests are already in the water. Could we maybe just string a line across and then maybe from there start building a bridge? I feel a lot more comfortable building a bridge than walking across the Jordan on the over on a bridge rather than through that. I mean, you're sitting there staring at the water. I, I don't know if I allow to do that. No, see, again, it comes down to a simple truth. Faith means you have to step in. When God says step in, you step in. So many times we stay back because we want to make sure it's safe. And what's so sad about that is so many times we miss opportunities when Jesus was moving. Because we were scared. Remember Peter? I mean, think about it. Jesus is walking on the water. And Peter thinks, this is cool. I mean, this is like surfing before surfboards, man. Oh, I want to go out there, dude. Can I go out there? 
You can know he's staring at Jesus. Can I go out there? And the Lord says, step in, Peter. You have to step in, Peter. Peter stepped in. You know, that was good, Peter. Don't fault Peter. He did step in. But what did Peter do wrong? Just like what we do wrong. What did he do? He started looking around. I can't do this. I don't have this ability. I'm not smart enough. I don't have the charismatic. I'm not an outward person. I, I'm an inward. I'm, a, I'm an introvert. I, I need my space. I need my walls. I can't do this. No, you can't do this because it's you. Let's see. With God, nothing's impossible. Remember when the, the, the blind were following Jesus and saying, Son of David, have mercy on us. And they came to a house. And then he turned around and looked at him. He goes, what do you want me to do? He said, we want to see. Do you? Do you believe I can do this? Do you believe I can do this? Do you believe? That's what he says to each of us. Not only the great work that he's doing inside us, not only the master walking before us and beside us, not only him walking above all our problems. Do you think Jesus ever looks at one of our problems and goes, Oh my goodness, Mark, you're dead meat, buddy. You have no hope. Just give up, Mark. I can't believe it. I'm sorry, Mark. I was sleeping. I was worried about Kevin again. I missed you, Mark. No, never. Always on top of things. Always remember that work that he's doing inside each of us is sanctifying us, making us perfect. Because everything he does is perfect. Everything. God's going to move this year. But you know what? He moved last year too. God's going to move tomorrow. But he moved yesterday. And he's going to move today. He's going to move in five minutes from now. No, he's moving right now. Don't you listen? Don't you hear? Aren't you sensitive? Are you watching? Are you ready? Are you going to go after him? Are you going to follow hard? Like the psalmist said. I follow hard after him. Because his right hand upholds me. Jesus set his face like a flint. To what? To the cross. Now he asks us, set your face like a flint and stare at me. And let's go. Man, it makes our problems a lot smaller, doesn't it? And it also gives meaning to them. Regardless whether you're struggling at your job, school, Home, God already sees it. God knows it. And your Lord wants you to trust Him. To walk not by your eyes, but by faith. See, it's impossible to please God without it. In fact, Hebrews chapter 11, again, is stories about men and women that learn to walk by faith and not just by sight. And obedience to Him. Knowing that he was able. How much, so much more should we do? 
Now, as we come to the communion service, guess what? We have an opportunity to put this into practice. Right now. And really, if you will, if, if you have your Bibles, turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 11. And we'll go into the communion service. Look at verse 18, chapter 11 of Corinthians. 1 Corinthians. For first of all, when you come together as a church, I hear that there are divisions among you. And in parts, I believe it. For there must always be factions among you. Those who are approved may be recognized among you. Therefore, when you come together in one place, is it not to eat the Lord's Supper? Drop down now to verse 26. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. Therefore, whoever eats the bread or drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of blood excuse me, guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner eats and drinks judgment to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. Now, look up. See, what's important is as we come to the communion service, it's not only to understand everything that Christ has done, but also to come with a right heart attitude. It's the understanding of his sanctified work in all of our lives. So understanding this is to also understand the reason why he went on the cross is called is because of our sin. So as we take part of communion, we want to take, really, if you will, an understanding of ourselves. Take inventory. Is there an unconfessed sin in your life? Is there just somebody, brother or sister, you need to be reconciled with? Do you have bitter feelings towards others? And maybe it's not somebody that you can just get up and go 2,000 miles or whatever and rectify this. But you can bring it before the Lord. Confess it to Him. And ask Him how what kind of opportunity and if it's your will. Understand, some things you can't write. I can't go back to my childhood and go to every person I have wronged. But there are certain people and if you allow the Lord to bring them to remembrance, to your mind, and typically what I found is usually they're not too far back in the rooms of our minds. We already know. To confess it. 
to forgive. Seek to reconcile. And then to leave it and trust in the Lord's hands. See, that's that's a good platform as we're launching out into this new year. Is to start afresh. Start new. That's what I would encourage each of us as we come up and we start doing the communion service is think about that. Your sin. Confess it. Move on. Follow Him. As I pray, I just ask the worship group to come back up. Father, we just thank you for these truths and we just pray, Lord, as we spend this time reflecting, allowing your spirit to move in our hearts and guide us, we pray, Lord, that again, that you would bind the enemy from confusing us, help us to hear your voice and to understand the conviction of your spirit, but also the sanctification of your blood. So, Lord, we just pray that you would bless this time as we come to your table in remembrance of what you have done and what you are doing and what you are going to do. And it's in Jesus' name we pray, Father.